Welcome to Our Story, a podcast where ordinary people share extraordinary stories. My name is Atherva, and today I'm joined by Dave Brill. What's up, buddy? How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? Good. Hey, it was so nice to kind of run into you yesterday. So if we would like roll back the months a little bit, we used to see each other maybe like on a weekly cadence, if not more. And then since coronavirus hit, we haven't seen each other, ooh, wow, for like months at a time. And then it was like a nice, pleasant uh, meetup yesterday where we finally got to see each other in person. So I feel like a little bit of normalcy is coming back to Buffalo. I know. I'm finally starting to see some people I haven't seen in months, like you're saying, getting out of the house a little bit. It's great. It is. I mean, we celebrated your 30th birthday on like a on a hangout, like a virtual hangout. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, but we've been in interesting times, but like this little sense of normalcy that's coming back is is good. I feel like the new normal is not ever going to be the same for the next couple of weeks, if not for a couple of months or years ahead. Yeah, I got to agree with that. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Dave, um, you know, if I were to look up your name on Wikipedia, and, you know, I, I'm sure there are tons of Dave Bros, but I found your specific one, right? What would that first paragraph say for you? Um, it would say, um, uh, you know, a guy from outside of Buffalo that came here for school that decided to stay in the area for what's closing in on almost 15 years because keeps on making new friends and family and, um, and just loves exploring life and trying to get the most out of it and meeting people and friends and traveling and just you know, trying to be a renaissance man. I like it. The renaissance man. That's a, that was a nice touch. So you like dabble in a little bit of everything. I try to. It seems like a, a new hobby almost every month or year. Oh, that's very cool. I like that. And uh, I didn't know this about you. You're not from Buffalo originally? No, I'm from about halfway in between New York City and Buffalo. So like a Binghamton region, if you have any idea where that is. Yep, yep. So what brought you over? So you said school brought you over here. Yeah, did four years over at UB learning business and psychology, meeting friends. Okay. Um, and what did you uh end up doing with that degree? <laughs> uh a whole lot of nothing so far. I feel like uh <laughs> the majority of our generation. Um, you know, I, I always tell my mom that I thought it was a waste of time and money going to school, but I'll tell you the biggest, uh, benefit, the biggest thing that I made out from it was all of the relationships that I've made up in Buffalo, easily my closest friends, uh, people I consider family since my family is so far away. Um, that alone might've made it worth it. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I feel like college is more for um, not only just the education part, but it, it literally is a stepping stone for the life experiences that it, it brings you. I think it's like a transition period from, you know, finally getting away from your uh, sheltered life a little bit, you know, like relying on your parents or, you know, family, and then really stepping out in the world. Exactly. I went from, you know, living with mom and dad and having them to fall back on for anything to being by myself in a dorm room and meeting roommates and 
you know, trying to learn how to adult as quick as possible. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to learn how to adult every day here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that process ever runs. I agree. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. So uh, from your college days, uh, you said you, you kind of labeled yourself as a renaissance man. So like what cool things did you get yourself into or what crazy things did you get yourself into? Um, so one of the big things for me in high school – uh, heading towards now is I was really big into music, played guitar. Um, I think that's one of the ways I made some of my friendships early on, um, just talking to musicians at work. And I've been in two or three different bands up in the Buffalo area. Um, it's kind of cool learning to express yourself through music and learning how to set up concerts and try to get your name out and you, you meet some really interesting and uh unusual characters sometimes in the music world <laughs> <laughs> i want to know more so for me music i am i'm not very musically talented i really enjoy music uh but it's mostly just listening and any talent i have is you know uh pretty uh, pretty confined to my shower <laughs> or driving. Yeah, that's the so uh, same for me when it comes to the singing part. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of music uh, were you into? You said you played the guitar. Like what genre of music uh, with your band? Um, I've always been a fan of like alternative slash hard rock. Um, but the one band that I had for a while it was one of the more unique bands, I'd say, because um, our drummer was like a, kind of a pop style drummer. So a little bit quicker, you know, happy, upbeat uh, beats. Um, our singer was almost a folk style singer. Our bass player was like a folkish metal type of player, which is really one of the oddest, unique uh, genres I've ever heard of. Um, I was going to say, I, I don't know if I've ever heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Um, extremely heavy sounding. Um, not even necessarily screamo, but it's all their music is like, I don't know, different kinds of tales. Um, imagine like a sci-fi show or fantasy and kind of singing about that sort of stuff or politics even, but it's all with really tuned down instruments, really heavy sounding, but you blend all of that together and we had some pretty cool sounding songs. Are they available anywhere? Like if, if I were to like stream them online, would I be able to find um, anything? We might still have a Facebook page. Um, Fortunately, we're at a point in our lives where we are all like mid to late 20s and we're trying to figure out like, are we going to do this full time or are we, you know, going to stick to our day jobs and say this is a fun time. So I think I might still have some songs hanging out somewhere, but that's always been one of my goals in life is to eventually get like a recording studio eventually in my house. And then I can just invite anybody over and start producing my own tracks and not even to make money or go on tour or anything, but just to have stuff to listen to or to show to friends and family. 
Hmm, that's very cool. See, the only time I've seen you actually in the music realm was when we played Guitar Hero together. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know this, this transcended into uh, a real band. That's very cool. Uh, and then as far as the, the other bands go, um, you said setting up concerts and everything. Were you also the manager and the guitarist for this? Um, it, a little bit, like helping to organize and stuff. So I'll tell you, the, the first band I had um, was a very odd, unique experience. Um, I met most of the guys in, uh, at work, used to work at Red Lobster. We all working in the kitchen, except for one of us. He worked in Olive Garden. Um, and so we would always have practice at the one kid's house in his basement. Um, it was two, three, four times a week. And we were just originally just jamming, having fun. And then we met this one guy who lived down around the street. And we find out that he's basically a professional drummer who works at a recording studio. It's a really nice guy. And, uh, so he starts coming over and he'll play drums and our drummer at the time was only 15, uh, still kind of, kind of trying to find his feet and really learn the instrument and everything. Um, so this guy comes over, his name's Roderick and he plays drums for us. He tries to be the manager and help us put together tracks and shows and stuff. Um, but he's one of those guys that has a lot of big open promises and you don't really always see anything come from them. Um, so he was an incredible talent to play with, but it eventually got to the point where like he just wouldn't be there or we wouldn't hear from him for days. And eventually the band shut down altogether, but this guy like complete ghost out of nowhere, just gone, never heard from him again. Um, so it's definitely wild playing with someone that talented, but then just nothing came of it. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's great. The reason I asked that question is like my, my window to that world is like through TV shows. Okay. So I was, I always wondered how, how it worked out in someone who walked those shoes. Like, uh, <laughs> you, you start a band. How is that progress? Like, how do you get your name out there? How do you set up concerts? Like, do you need a manager? Do you not need a manager? What does it take to make a track studio? So for a guy who knows, like, very little about it, and the only window is from what he watches on TV shows, walk me through, like, a, a day in life of a musician who's, like, yeah. setting up a band. Like, say uh, you a concert day. How, how did that build up to it? Hey, I, I'll tell you, it's extremely challenging because – to go from just sitting in your room, just strumming around on a guitar saying, oh, hey, that sounds like a cool idea, to negotiating with a venue, to showing up, you know, four hours before the show, not to mention all the practice that you're putting in the days, the weeks beforehand, and then you're finally going up on stage after telling everybody what time and where to show up and especially in, I don't know if it's just this area or when you're just starting off. Um, but at least my experience, it was very much a pay to play style. So 
you'd basically you'd have to try to find other bands to play with you so you it would be a full concert and then you'd have to purchase x amount of tickets and you would make money if you sold all of those tickets um just because you're so little it's just trying to get your name out. You're talking to every single friend you can, just trying to get them to come see you and spend, you know, 10 bucks on your ticket or something. Um, but it, it was always a challenge trying to do those shows, trying to find a little venue that'll take on a, a no-namer. Um, but the amount of work and practice that has to go in before everything, it's, it really is like a second job at times. See, that's interesting perspective because, you know, you hear about famous artists that got their break and it's all, always like, oh, well, I got discovered here. And it was like, oh, the next day I'm, I'm, the, I'm the biggest star in the world. Right. But no one really sees the, you the don't see uh, behind all the, the scenes. Right. All the work going on behind. That's, that that's cool. Yeah, that's cool perspective. So now talking about just the music part, what music – uh, like resonates most with you? Who would you say is like your favorite artist or favorite type of music? If you had to give me like your uh, top playlist of, you know, all time played, not just like current, but if you were to look up your history and in, in your uh, playlist, which songs or artists are like your top played? Uh, my uh, top artists are Linkin Park, Foo Fighters, Led Zeppelin, The Beatles, um, and then if you actually look at my most played, one of the styles I really like recently is soundtrack music, whether it be video game or TV show or movie, just those like almost poppy orchestral pieces. Like you think uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, their theme song, just that kind mm -hmm. of music that really gets you up and going, but there's no vocals or anything. Yeah, honestly, like that music got me through college. I would yeah. always play music that had no vocals in it to like study and like drown out everything around me. And it was always like soundtracks from movies or just like something on repeat or just like instrumentals. Like Coldplay instrumentals are my favorite. Huh. I can't say I've ever heard of them or <laughs> heard of the yeah. instrumental versions. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't think it's ever published officially, but like just stuff you find like, you know the song In My Place? Yeah, I like, think so. Yeah, just just play the instrumental music. It is literally the most calming thing in the world. Like, it will put me in the right mindset every single time. Huh. All right, that yeah. down. Check that out. <laughs> yeah, check it out. <laughs> cool. So now let's switch gears a little bit. You know, you, you mentioned you've tried a lot of other things as well. And one of the other interests you've mentioned to me are uh, writing books. Tell me a little bit about that. So I have two complete novels and a handful of short stories. Um, tell you my biggest issue with writing. I love the actual process of writing and getting the story, but then all of the work that comes after of trying to make sure everything's grammatically correct and there's no, you know, errors where the name of someone changes from one chapter to another and, I've never gotten past that part. So I love the story writing process because I'll get an idea every week if I'm really thinking on it. Um, and that part's so fun, just building a world and these characters and their lives. 
So, Dave, everything you've described to me sounds like you have all the talent. You just need someone to to manage it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If I were next thing to do, I might put you on the list. Okay. <laughs> I love writing. It's just uh, the, the two hardest parts in my mind is the afterwards where you have to, uh, you know, fine tune what you're doing. And then mm-hmm. the way the industry is now is you have to have a social media presence. Um, mm. Basically, publishers and agents don't even want to talk to writers unless they can do marketing and advertising for themselves because it's just so costly at this point. Um, Got it. And I don't have a huge social media presence. It's all right. You're on the biggest podcast in the world right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so tell me a little bit more about the novels you've uh, you've written. Do they follow fit into a certain genre as well, or is it uh, you know just a blend of everything that you've liked? Um, the ones that I finished, they are part of a series that I think I have planned to go to be five books in total. But originally, it just started with the the idea of. Um, this girl assassinating someone and it quickly spiraled from there um she basically this girl having superpowers um nothing like you would see in the avengers or anything like that but a little bit stronger a little faster a little smarter a little quicker reflexes but she never knew why she has these powers um but basically people are hunting her down and she doesn't know why. And the people around her that are close to her are being targeted. Um, And so the whole plot of the book is just her trying to figure out these mysteries, trying to understand why she's different and why people are interested in her. So it's very much a thriller with a little bit of uh, mystery. And I basically wanted to make an action movie, but with paper and pen. That's awesome. Uh, I, one thing to clarify, though, like she's the assassin, or is she the one that got assassinated? Um, a little bit of both. She's technically going around attacking the people that are trying to attack her. Um, so she is being hunted. So she's trying to, you know, save her life and her friend's life. Um, all the while, she is trying to find these people that are doing this to her. So a little bit of cat and mouse where she's trying to get to them before they get to her. Mm, um, got it. Yeah. I love the type of stories. Okay. Very cool. Now, can I find that anywhere online? Uh, I never wanted to put it online until it was fully complete, like from an editing and publishing standpoint, because if something gets online, you can't really make money off of it unless you do it the right way. And that was originally one of my plans was just to make this awesome book. And I could just, you know, JK Rowling's just off into the sunset because my book was so fantastic. Um, but if you want it, I can always send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that's interesting. Very cool. All right. So you're a accomplished musician, accomplished author, uh, and all in relative terms, right? Um, what what other things have you done? 
Um, I think my next biggest claim to fame would actually be bowling. Ooh, went, tell me more. Yeah, so I was on – I basically – pretty sure I've been bowling since I could walk and hold a ball at the same time. I remember being like three or four at an alley throwing a ball. Um, pretty much bowled every year of my life. Was on the high school team. Um I have just joined some leagues here up in Buffalo after taking a several year hiatus from it. And just before this COVID thing hit, my team actually took first place. So I was able to pick up right where I left off. Nice. Like, what would you say, like, your average score is? And, like, to put some perspective before you say your score, for a guy that maybe bowls like, once or twice a year for you know whatever events i'm like in the low 100s like 100 to like 130 range where do you average um i am usually disappointed if i throw less than 200 my average is around a 200 or a 210 oh Uh, nice yeah i was top five in the league i think by the end of the year that's crazy now have you ever gotten close to a perfect game i have gotten very close 298 oh man the very last one um it was back in high school senior year is like state qualifiers uh there's probably two or three hundred people at least that's what it felt like in the building because it was such a big tournament and it was crazy the guy that was lined up against me it was like one two Back and forth. I'd throw a strike. He threw a strike. I think he went the first nine. I went the first 11, and I just pulled the ball on the last shot, so I only got the eight. But that is the closest I've ever been. Oh, so this is literally like the last bowl that could possibly happen. Yep. It was the very last one. Everyone goes quiet. Nobody's bowling at that time. Um. They're all just, you know, everyone's holding their breath. Just, is he going to do it? Yeah, the corner of my eye, I saw something and just pulled my arm just a little bit. Oof, man, that's got to be crushing. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it's always another goal, right? Yeah, but 298 is no joke. That's that's awesome. Thanks. All right, cool, man. So you you got professional athlete under your belt, too. That's incredible. Well, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit too, because we've talked a lot about your travels as well. Give me a rundown of like all the places you've been and what you consider to be one of like your your best fondest places and memories from those travels. Okay, um, I'd say my my favorite places. I did a cruise up to Alaska. Um, did that in like the middle of June or July with family. We stopped at Seattle. Uh, We saw a baseball game when we were in Seattle the day before we left for Alaska. Um, I went with my extended family, who I really only get to see maybe once a year because they're spread to Texas, to Rochester, kind of all over the place. Um, But, I mean, the two – two or three moments I remember the most from that is just being on the open water at like midnight. There's no one on the boats. They're all, you know, everyone on this cruise ships either in bed or eating or 
doing whatever and i'm just out there it's just clear you can see the sky see the water there's just nothing for miles it's one of the most peaceful moments of my life and then that's awesome like not even a few days later we were throwing snowballs at each other on a glacier you know in the middle of july (laughs) i was just gonna (laughs) ask you that because anytime i hear alaska i'm thinking about like a like whale watchers and like glacier um, watchers where you see like these massive, like uh, 50 ton ice blocks, just like falling out in the ocean. Like that's what I'm picturing you say. Right. I, I didn't see any of that, like Antarctic ice blocks, but I did get to climb on. You wouldn't even think it's a glacier when you saw it, but it's literally just this block of bluish whitish ice in between a forest and a mountainside. Like, it doesn't look like what you would think would be an iceberg, but I still have a picture of it actually on my refrigerator. Hmm. Cool. So you'd say out of all the travels, Alaska is number one. It's top three. Top three. Okay. Fill me on the other two. The other two, I'm really not sure which takes number one, if I'm being honest. Um hmm. It's either Israel or Costa Rica. Um, Two very, very different trips. The Costa Rica trip, I went again with my extended family. Um, That was just, that that trip was wild. We walked around the base of a volcano. Um, We went zip lining several hundred feet above uh, the forests. Um, went snorkeling. The weather was amazing. Um, and it was just uh, that's the place I want to go when I'm thinking like, oh, I need a vacation. Like, there's beaches, there's little towns, there's mudslides. It's just, it's an awesome place. <clears throat> you know, Very I've tropical. heard so many. Yeah, I've heard so many people talk great things about Costa Rica because, you know, in that part of the region, there are a lot of small countries, but, like, I feel like Costa Rica always stands out. I wonder what's uh, special about it. Um, I know know prices are good. I know that um, it's pretty fluent with English, and one of the things that they were very proud of when we went is – if they're not a hundred percent green at this point, I think they're like 95 to 98% green. So they're using water and wind and just a very environmentally friendly country. Hmm, Very Um, cool. Yeah. Definitely a lot of fun stuff to do there. You're talking about just like not reliant on fossil fuels. Is that what you mean by being correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. I think Costa Rica is definitely on my to-do list whenever the travels open up again. Yeah, it was a great time. Awesome. All right. Now tell me about the third one. You said Israel? Yes. Um, Israel was through the birthright program. It was kind of a last second decision because at that time, I think they've changed it now, but at that time uh, you had to go before you turned 26. And I was 25 at that time. So I literally only had a few months to make the decision to go, uh, pulled the trigger, went by myself. There is, I don't know, 40 Americans, most of who had never met 
anyone else. Maybe a few of them went with a friend. Um, we went for 10 days, five of the, five of those days, we were paired up with eight Israeli soldiers who were around the same age. Um, so in Israel, you have to serve in the military, but during these trips, they'll let them leave for a few days so that you can get the, um, so you can get a different feel for how the two different countries work. Um, so, you know, you're learning a little bit about Israeli customs from them. They're learning a little bit about American customs from us. Um, still friends with most of them on Facebook and to the point where if I called them up, said, hey, I'm heading over to Israel for a week. They'd say, hey, come on, stop by. Um, just really friendly people. And it felt like the biggest marathon of a trip I've ever done in a good way where you know, we were up until midnight, two o'clock in the morning, and then we were getting up at five, six, seven o'clock the next morning. Um, you just didn't want to miss anything, whether it be hanging out on a rooftop with a couple people, playing guitar, telling stories, um, riding on a camel the next morning, going to explore different ancient ruins. Um, it had everything. We did so much stuff. And that sounds incredible. A, yeah. And it's, if you didn't know, it's the size of New Jersey. So it's not that small of a country. And in the 10 days, we went from one, from the top of it to the bottom and back. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm from Jersey. So I can, yeah, I could kind of imagine that 10 days is a, uh, it's definitely a short time to see everything in that, in that big right. of an area. Yeah. Okay, so you were cool. not sleeping, but it was awesome. Cool. So it sounds like you've got pretty much the each end of the spectrum making the top three. You've got, you know, ice cold, you've got hot desert, and then you've got nice tropical in the middle as well. So I think your yeah. top three covers the whole spectrum there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, cool, man. And then I always kind of um, conclude this podcast on, on, a, on a personal note in the sense of, I always kind of look for every person I meet to, um, you know, have an interesting story and you kind of expressed yours. I always want to take that as like a learning experience for me as well. You've become friends over the past years that, you know, we've uh, hung out in Buffalo. So if you had to give me one piece of advice, what would that be as a friend or it could be something general that uh, maybe defines your life motto? Um, Honestly, just try to experience as much as you can with the people that you care about. Um, you only get so many people inside your inner circle, like those really, really close people that you can depend on. Spend as much time as you can with them and try as many new things with them because you want those experiences shared with the people that you're closest with. That's awesome. See, I wanted to stir some trouble and ask you to define those names because I know that would probably either make someone's day or really stir the pot when we hang out the next time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Dave, it was great seeing you in person yesterday and even better having this conversation. Let's hope the sense of normalcy continues to grow here in Buffalo. And uh, yeah, can't wait to um, have some more fun times together. Yeah, thanks uh, for the call, Tharva. This was, uh, was a fun time.
There's a quote by Bill Nye that says, "Everyone you'll ever meet knows something you don't." And today I learned from Dave, just live life to the fullest. Try everything and do everything. Thanks, Dave.